How would you like to build your conversational capacity, do more meaningful work, and make a powerful difference? Well, we're going to be talking about that and much more on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast, and that starts right now. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear, and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Please join me in welcoming Craig Weber to the Leader Chat Podcast. Craig, welcome. Thank you very much, Chad. I appreciate being invited. So, you know, we're talking about how to build your conversational capacity, do meaningful work, and make a powerful difference. Why is this topic so important to you? Uh, That's a great question. I think it's a missing piece to the puzzle in building really healthy work relationships and teams. Uh, It's something that's sort of a foundational competence. But again, it's not something that tends to be on our dashboard, something we're paying attention to and investing in as much as we ought. So in that sense, I think uh, a really critical aspect of professional and team competence that just isn't getting the attention it deserves. You know, if you're a longtime listener of the Leader Chat podcast, um, you and I have some links because I talk about awareness a lot because awareness does come up in a lot of people's research and their studies. And I always, I always, what I love about awareness is that when you learn something, when you understand the implications of actions that you do that could have been, you know, just automatic, um, and and you know that you're doing that and you run through that stop sign, that's on you, right? And so you you lead off the book talking about awareness. Where are the aspects of awareness that really focus on um, your book, Influence in Action? Yeah, I think there's there's a range of ways awareness is really critical. And one of them is just personal awareness. I need to be aware of my own reactions in the moment, monitoring, if you will, you know, how I'm responding to other people, to the issue, to the situation, so I can make more conscious choices about how to respond. But I also need to be conscious or aware of the situation. What's the purpose of this meeting? What's the purpose of this conversation? And do the patterns of behavior line up with that purpose or are they working against it? And if there is a gap, what can I do to help close it? And so as you kind of dive into that and you dive into those those, those personal kind of awareness uh, pieces where you're really you're, – you're, you're kind of like your antennas up for seeing how people are reacting, how are you are reacting to a situation. What are some ways that you put this into action in your day-to-day where it's really helped you as you've, you've uh, become more of an influencer? Uh, that's a great question. Um, recently, we did a, um, a workshop, and one of the participants said, what I like about this material is it's immediately applicable, and yet I can tell there's a lifetime of practice. And so even though I've been involved with this for uh, years, decades, actually, uh, it's never-ending practice, always working to become more conscious, more aware in the moment, more subtly attuned to where my behavior, my good intentions may be moving up so I can make adjustments. That's a, a something very ongoing. And what I like about these skills is, yes, they work really well in the workplace, but 
they have just as much effect in other areas of our lives as well. Some of the best feedback I've received through the years actually is I'm using this stuff at home. Yeah. Uh, we went home and talked about these issues as a family. So I love that. So, you know, I think there's an ongoing uh, practice in terms of becoming more conscious of how we're behaving in the moment so we can make better choices about how to respond to difficult situations, challenging moments, and even difficult people. You know, and you would, it, it just leads right into my, the, the question I always love to ask. And, and obviously, when, when I dig into these topics, it's always about what, what can I do better? What can the listeners do better? Like, Because really, you only can control your sphere. However how you react to other people, how you, you respond to other people. What are, what are some tips that you can give to our listeners about, about as you talk about that situational awareness where you're really focusing on the other people in the room and you're not letting maybe how they're responding to things get the best of you. So how, what, what are some ways that you can, you can um, be a better uh, influencer by, by doing a better job with other people no matter how they come at you? Yeah, um, I think, you know, to, to answer that question, I'll give a little background on conversational capacity. And I describe um, uh, a, a place in a meeting or a conversation where something important is on the table. I describe a place called the sweet spot where two things are in balance. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, if you're in a meeting, let's say, with high conversational capacity, one thing that isn't in short supply is candor. The conversations are honest, they're open, they're forthright, they're direct. On the other hand, what keeps all that candor from just becoming an argument or a headbutting exercise is it's balanced with lots of curiosity. People are open-minded. They're inquisitive. They're eager to learn. And, and I think when it comes to awareness, what we need to do is first off, become conscious of the emotional reactions that tend to throw us and others out of that sweet spot. And then we need to learn to act more intentionally despite them. So that even when we're being emotionally triggered, we can behave in a way that helps us stay in the sweet spot. And the beauty of this, it can also help us if we know what we're doing help other people stay in the sweet spot, even if they don't know there is such a place. And so one person with high conversational capacity can have a dramatic influence on how a decision gets made, a problem gets solved, or a dis- an issue gets uh, discussed, because they're actually you know, shaping the conversations in a more healthy direction, helping p- themselves and others stay in that candid and curious state of mind. So it really is, it is a mindset. It really is uh, um, understanding that uh, it's, you know, when you talk about influence, it's something you do as, as Ken says, right? It's a, it's, it's, it's what you do with people, not what you do to people, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well said. And so and I think, you know, what I talk about, are th- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, uh, you said you're talking about the, the, the aspects of, of kind of having that leadership mindset. Yeah, I think there's, um, there's three things you really need to work on if you want to get better at working in that sweet spot and helping yourself and others have more influence to address issues in a more powerful, influential, and effective way. And one is awareness. It's hard to stay in the sweet spot if you don't recognize when you and others are leaving it. Another key part of it, as you mentioned, is this mindset, a new way of thinking. And the way I look at it, if you want to stay in the sweet spot, what really matters more than getting an ego massage more than being comfortable or more than being right is learning, getting smarter and thinking more clearly because the primary goal is working with other people to make the smartest choices we can about how to move forward. And so we need a mindset really centered on learning. And then there's actually some skills. So awareness mindset and then some skills, two candor skills and two curiosity skills we can learn to kind of stay in the sweet spot and to help others do the same. You know, I want to dig into the skills, want to dig deep into that, but let's talk about the mindset for just one more piece. And, and it's something that I think comes up in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I talked about when, when, when you're aware of, of the choices you should and shouldn't make, that's, that's on you, right? The other issue is people, 
there's really smart people in the world, and it's really hard sometimes not to show off that uh, that smartness or, is, or 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 you know let your ego go, go into play. So how do you kind of tamp down the ego um, and allow these conversations to to go at the pace they should go to where it's a productive conversation and 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 good things are happening? Yeah. That- that's a really good question. Uh, all too often, our egos kick in and start throwing us out of that sweet spot, either because we want to be comfortable, so we don't put our views or ideas out there to be assaulted, or because we want to be right and we can be argumentative, overly assertive, and kind of push our point at the expense of others. And both of those responses squander learning. It's hard to learn about uh, an issue if you're not talking about it directly. And it's hard to learn about an issue if you're arguing with other people about it. So uh, a mindset focused on learning is key. And I think that if you've got someone who maybe their ego's got the best of them in a lot of situations, two, to show them. One, what is the price they're paying for operating that way? People are unlikely to make any adjustments to their behavior if they don't see the way, way their current pattern of behavior is, what's, what it's costing them. And then I think secondly, what are the advantages they can gain if they are willing to make some adjustments? driven, more purpose-driven way. And in my work at coaching executives, that's kind of the thing we explore is what's the price you're paying for the current way you operate and what are some advantages you might gain if you make some adjustments? And I think a lot of smart people, once they recognize, hey, I can be elective, I can have a lot more, uh, make, a big, make, make a bigger difference, I can have more influence and I can um, generate a better reputation in the workplace. If I make these adjustments, I'm willing to give that a go. So great uh, kind of capper to the mindset uh, uh, piece of this. Let's talk about the skill set. And let's uh, let's roll up our sleeves a little bit. And you talked, you you touched on just briefly about the candor skills, the curiosity skills. So, kind of put that into context for us. So, when you talk about candor skills, give us an example of how that would play out in a conversation. Yeah, and so I love the uh, a quote by Steven Pinker, the eminent psychologist, who said, "Language is the magnificent faculty we use to get ideas out of one head and into another." And so the two candor skills are really a way to streamline that process. How do I get an idea out of my head, through my mouth, and into a conversation or meeting in a clear, uh, um, Mm. articulate way? And so there's two candor skills. One, we expect people to state their position, where they're at on the issue, very cleanly and very concisely, in one sentence, no more than two. So it's like a topic sentence in good paragraph construction. And then secondly, we ask people to explain the thinking behind it. So in essence, you're telling people, here's where I am on the issue. Let me show you how I got there. And so with the two candor skills, we're trying to, again, streamline that process of getting ideas into conversations in a more clear-headed, direct, no-nonsense way. So, I mean, so we've all been there. We've all been in that meeting where, um, you know, brevity was not someone's strong suit. <laughs> and uh, and they go on and on and on. And you know there's a point in there. And maybe they made the point in the first first second, um, but they're still still going. So what you're sharing is just part of the skill set around candor is being very clear with what you believe and being very clear with with how you be- why you believe that. And so would you say that's that's a, a very underutilized skill set? Yeah, you see a lot of people that suffer from uh, the inability to do one or both of these skills. We may have someone who can waffle on for 10 minutes, but you have no idea what they're really talking about because they haven't anchored their point with a clear position. Yeah. Uh, we also know that person who will put their position out there clearly, but then not back it up with any reasoning, not share their thinking. So they tend to come across as hyper opinionated. And so I think being able, structuring the candor in a more learning focused way. 
Uh, Karl Popper, the philosopher, once said, it's impossible to say something in a way it can't be misunderstood, but we can certainly minimize the risk. You know, we can reduce the risk that people will misunderstand our point by structuring the candor in a more responsibly rigorous way. Yeah, I, I uh, um, you're you're quoting some people, and I'm probably going to misquote, but it's it's one of my favorite quotes, and I need to remember the attribution. I think it was Twain, but it was I I, uh, I would have been more brief if I had more time. <laughs> and sometimes I find if I come into <laughs> if I come into a meeting, if I come into a situation, if I'm not prepared, I might find myself talking a lot more to cover for the fact that I didn't come in with some very clear um, expectations. So that's why I think it, what you're sharing is it's important to come into conversations um, or at least be reflective enough before you open your mouth in a conversation um, to make sure that you're adding value and and you're just not filling time. Because if we're going to influence people, they need to kind of respect the the process. And, and, and when you, you're more candor, you have more candor, they're definitely going to do that. Let's talk about curiosity. I love that thought about curiosity. Life is well uh, best le- lived when you're you're curious and you're 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 open to new ideas. Tell me, and I and I think society would show right now when a lot of us aren't as open to new ideas. Um, tell me why curiosity is so important to influencing. Well, I think being more open-minded, being more inquisitive is really key. If we're going to learn, if learning is what really matters in a conversation, then curiosity is an a- absolutely essential state of mind, and so. You know, having that mindset focused on learning is one thing, but being able to put it into action is another. And so there's actually two curiosity skills people uh, learn and master. And the first one's the most unusual. Once you put a view out there and explained it, we ask people to do something unusual, and that is to actually test their thinking, to actually be curious about where their thinking may be off base. Are they missing some evidence, for example, or are they making an erroneous assumption? Do they have a blind spot? And so how do you find those things? Well, it's hard to test your thinking with your thinking. It tends to look pretty awesome. So a better way to do it is to bounce your thinking off others, to ask other people to point out where your thinking may have a hole, where it may have a flaw, where where there may be an error. And so a good test conversationally signals an openness to disconfirming views, ideas, and information. We're saying, in essence, here's what I think, here's why I think it. Do you see a problem with this? Or what what am I missing? What does this look like from where you sit? And so that idea of testing your perspective, being a little more wary of that view of reality your brain hands you is really critical if we're going to stay in a learning-focused state of mind. So that's sort of the first curiosity skill, testing your own perspective and holding it more like a hypothesis than a truth. And then and then obviously you're walking in that room as well and, and other people are sharing their ideas. So how do you in a thoughtful way and, and to maintain your, your influence, um, how do you – I don't say pick away, but in, in essence, how do you kind of um, kind of kick the tires at what other people are sharing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and so there's a second curiosity skill that gets to that, and that is genuine inquiry into the views of other people. And so I'm not just testing my hypothesis. I can inquire into the hypotheses of others. And there's multiple ways you can do that. One is if someone's not participating in a meeting or a conversation, you could inquire into their view and invite them into the meeting. So in a meeting, you might say to me, Craig, we haven't heard from you yet on this issue. Given everything you've heard so far, I'd love to get your take on this decision. What do you think is the best course of action? Mm. So I might be holding back and not participating. 
speaking, and you can use inquiry to invite my perspective into the discussion. Another way would be if I put my point of view on the table, but I don't explain it thoroughly, you might jump in and say, Craig, you've got a really strong take on this issue. It'd be helpful if you take a couple of minutes and tell us more about where you're coming from. Can you lead us to see, can you help us see how you're looking at this? And so you invite, might invite more of my thinking into the conversation if that's what's missing. Um, I might be, as you pointed out earlier, waffling on for a few minutes, but you're not clear on my position. You might use inquiry to help me get that on the table. Say, Craig, you've been talking here for a few minutes. I'm a little unclear. Do you like this decision or do you not? And I might mm. say, oh, oh, no, I don't like it. I don't think we should do it. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. And so I love this quote from Ayrton Moreira, a Brazilian jazz percussionist who said about playing jazz, I listen to what's being played and then I play what's missing. And I talk about that a lot in conversational capacity. Someone with these skills is sitting in a meeting or a conversation and they're watching what's being played and then they're playing what's missing to help bring more balance, more rigor and more learning to the discussion than would otherwise take place if they weren't in the room. Some great advice. Um, and I think that's where that's where meetings can really go off track. That's where conversations can go off track is when you open the floor and there's just this lack of clarity. So part of, you know, the, the real value of, of, of the book we're talking about influence and action, we're talking with Craig Weber, um, is, is how can, how can you be more efficient? This is the, if you can master these skills, this is a, this is a time management book <laughs> as much as anything else, because you can get to be, have more clarity around, around what, what is happening on your day to day. If you're like us and you you spend a lot of your times in meetings and discussions and you've got to make decisions. So let's let's kind of as we start to to wrap this up, let's talk about okay, so somebody has has uh, has focused on their mindset and and they've trying to change the way they approach different situations. They um, they've worked on their skill sets. They they're coming in with more candor and and more curiosity. How do you put all this stuff together? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, what I work with people on is putting together a personal plan where they're actually over time focusing on some some activities to help improve their awareness. For example, keeping a trigger journal so they're more and more aware of those situations and issues that tend to knock them out of the sweet spot. They're also focusing on learning. They're asking themselves questions more consistently like, what am I seeing about this issue others are missing? What are other people seeing that I'm missing? And then what are we all missing to stay in that more learning focused state of mind? And then they're often focused on just one one or two skills that'll bring the most balance to their current style. If they tend to be very extroverted, uh, you know, very outgoing and not shy about their opinions, the curiosity skills are what they could focus on to bring a little more balance to their style. On the other hand, if they're a little more introverted and a little less likely to speak up, for some of us, you know, strengthening our ability to be candid under pressure is the work we need to do. And so everyone struggles to stay in the sweet spot, often for very different reasons. And so figuring out ways to build your awareness, your mindset, and your skill set is sort of central. And I think the idea here, you make this investment in yourself because the idea is how do we become more purpose-driven and less ego-driven under pressure? And rather than be driven by our base emotional impulses, how do we let the better angels of our nature drive the way we're operating? Candor, curiosity, courage, humility. Those are better the, the aspects of our humanity I think we should be cultivating in the workplace. And if you want to build your conversational capacity, that is the work. So helpful. So helpful. And, and my, my intern, Peyton, just uh, just slipped me a note and said I misattributed. Uh, Mark Twain actually said that and used that in one of his books, but it was actually a French mathematician and philosopher. Pascal actually said, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. So I had to say that. I had to fix this because it's a podcast. It's not <laughs> I so, love it. so as we, as we, as 
we begin to wrap up and as, as we you know kind of uh, share this, thank you so much for, for giving us all this information. If there is just one thing that you want our listeners to kind of take away from this conversation and, and something that they could, they could just, you know, you feel like if they did this or if they heard this, they could really thrive, what would it be? I think realize that you have a lot more power than you think to make a difference in your teams and your organizations and your communities. And that if you're willing to do the work and build your conversational capacity, you can play a much more constructive role than perhaps you believe you can. Uh, You can lead up the chain of command and help people above you make better, wiser decisions. You can lead across and help your colleagues work together more effectively. If you're in a position of authority, you can lead down and help the people below you bring their A game to the enterprise. And you can also lead out with customers, suppliers, and other organizations. So I think realize that you have the ability to exercise much more effective leadership and to have far more powerful influence than you may believe you have. Uh, And all it takes is some skill building. So, Craig, if people want to dig a little bit deeper into you, into your learnings, into your teachings, into what you're doing out there, where would you send them? Uh, conversationalcapacity.com is my website. And then, of course, there's the two books, Conversational Capacity and Influence in Action. So that's an easy way to learn a little more about uh, you know my work and about these ideas. And we've been talking about uh, Influence in Action, the, 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 the newest one of Craig's books. I uh, highly recommend you to go out there and pick it up. It's uh, it's written in, in, in almost a how-to format of, of, of ways that you can write on on the on the on the fly start utilizing these skills and uh, and show up better no matter where that place is Craig Weber thank you so much for being a part of the Blanchard leadership podcast it has been a pleasure my genuine pleasure thank you again for the invitation Chad and thank you for joining us for today's podcast if you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience please subscribe to the leader chat podcast on iTunes stitcher or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. I really enjoyed Chad's interview with Greg Weber about his book, Influence in Action. I love the concept of building conversational capacity, you know, because We're all interacting all the time with people, both individually and groups. And how are we coming across? Are we aware of what we're doing? Are we aware of how we're impacting other people? And I love his talk about the skills that you need here to really be good at conversational, uh, you know, capacity. And that's uh, candor and curiosity. Candor is really being honest and straightforward, you know, about how you feel about uh, things and and, uh, explaining the reasons behind it, you know. I mean, so uh, people really want to know how you feel. If you're just sitting there, you know, in a meeting and all and just got all kinds of thoughts and not expressing them, that isn't very helpful to anybody. But part of uh, the balance that you need with uh, the whole candor is curiosity, which is really uh, testing your thoughts, you know, that's my thought. What do you all think? Uh, and uh, inviting others to give their opinions. It's really about 
putting yourself in a concept or a state of learning. It's, uh, it's really exciting. So I want to tell you, I think you ought to share this with, with your people and uh, learn. It's a, it's a personal learning experience as well as learning as a, as a group about the whole aspect of building conversational capacity and so that people really know how they're coming across, how they're being helpful uh, in meetings and then getting help to get better. We need to be ongoing learners. As I've said a number of times, Norman Vincent Peale and I, when I worked with him on our book, The Power of Ethical Management, said, when you stop learning, lie down and let them throw the dirt on you, uh, you know, because you're already dead. So I tell you, I got a lot to learn about uh, building conversational capacity, and I bet you do too. 